Welcome to Ryan Rants and Raves, a podcast series by the Quebec government office in New York. Bienvenue à Ryan Rants and Raves, une série de podcasts par le gouvernement du Québec à New York. Today, I'm excited to discuss a topic about the resale industry because it's a very growing industry. I'm with the COO and co-founder of Recurate, and I'm also with their VP of partnerships. So I'm with Wilson and Karen. And to just to get started, can you both just explain your backgrounds about you know how you entered the industry? Yeah, sure. I come from a sustainability and environmental background, but most relevant for this conversation and what I was doing immediately before Recurate was working in Gap Inc., so the parent company to Gap, Banana Republic, Old Navy, etc., in a role that was really focused on how the business could operate more sustainably. And towards the, the latter part of my time there, is really when uh, resale just started to explode with primarily third-party marketplaces like eBay, Poshmark, Depop, Grailed, etc. Uh, and I just became really interested in this idea that brands like where I was working at, at Gap uh, weren't just going to sit on the sidelines and see their products be sold between consumers on these third-party marketplaces where the brand doesn't have any way to engage with those customers, mm -hmm. to monetize those transactions, and really to control the experience. So what we've set out to do here at Recurate is build the tool set that allows brands to offer resale for their customers themselves in a way that they can delight their customers and provide a more sustainable way to shop, but at the same time, do it in a way that can actually grow their business and grow their brand. And hello, everyone. My name is Karen Dilley. I am our VP of Brand Partnerships here at Recurate. Before this, I actually worked at The Real Real. And before that, I worked at Sotheby's, which is kind of wild. I don't think as a child, I ever set out to have an entire career in resale, but here <laughs> we are. Um, I have now set my entire career in some form of the resale space. And so at The Real Real, I oversaw a couple teams. One of them was our B2B team, working specifically with brands and retailers and getting them involved in circularity. And part of our discussions there and some of the things we talked about with brands is exactly what Wilson mentioned, that there was this big gap in this insane, growing, massive resale space with all of these kind of parties coming into play using technology and brands were totally left out of it. So when I heard about this and met Wilson and the other co-founder, Adam, I was like, aha, this is what brands need. Even if they don't know they need it quite yet, um, this is the future. And this is what we really see as an omni-channel play. So a way for brands to engage with their customer beyond that initial transaction. Right now, they only really know about selling a new item. What happens after that? You know, what happens? Yeah. What is the life cycle of that item? You know, what happens to it? What is the journey of the customer? And we really provide a way for brands to bring that into their ecosystem. And what's very interesting is I read, I think that the resale market is valued at $5 trillion. So it is a huge opportunity for brands to actually enter. And Karen, with your background, you know, when you were at the real rail, you probably noted that someone's closet, how much monetary value was actually in that of something that could be resold at second hand. 
Ryan, one time when we're having cocktails, I'll tell you some of the stories. But yes, I mean, I literally spent years of my life going into these closets and realizing how much is there. And we saw this opportunity to use technology to really use each customer's closet as a mini warehouse. So essentially, you're kind of selling out of those mini warehouses. And that's really the beauty of peer-to-peer and what makes it so scalable. And what your platform does, if correct me if I'm wrong, it allows a brand to actually take advantage of the secondhand market. So like if I'm brand, because you guys work with uh, Mara Hoffman, for example. So if you're Mara Hoffman, now Mara Hoffman can control more of the secondhand and glean a new customer from that. Yeah, that's exactly right, Ryan. So, you know, we try to be a sort of a full suite service provider for brands to launch a resale channel. So you mentioned Mara Hoffman, amazing brand. They're a great partner for us. So you can imagine that someone has a Mara Hoffman piece that they bought a couple of years ago. And before we curate, when they were ready to move on from that piece, maybe they would go to Poshmark or go to the real real in order to sell it. And the functionality that we bring to Mara Hoffman is someone can actually log into their purchase history directly on the Mara Hoffman site, see every item they bought from the brand, and then we enable a little sell use button next to it. The seller clicks that button, takes them to a listing form. One of the really special things about our product is we're directly integrated into the brand site, and that means we have access to their product catalog. So when that person goes to sell the item, From their purchase history, we already know what size it is, what color it is, when they bought it, what they paid for it. So we can bring all of that information in on behalf of the seller. And then we'll ask them for a couple of current state images of that product. What is it? What sort of condition is it like today? And then a a sort of a condition description. And with that information, they can submit that item depending on the exact configuration Either the brand will review and approve that listing. That's also a service that we offer on behalf of our brands. But no matter what, someone will actually review and approve that listing before it's available for sale. And then once it's approved, it will actually appear in a separate collection on the brand's website. And another Mara Hoffman customer can come along and and purchase that item. And again, depending on the configuration, you know, we try to be really flexible on what makes the most sense for our brands. Uh, in the Mara Hoffman example, you know, that item will be shipped peer-to-peer directly from that seller to the person who bought it. The whole transaction takes place on the Mara Hoffman site. They can control the experience. And then that seller is going to be paid out in store credit. And they're going to come back and shop the brand again. So we really see the value as um, expanding price access for the brand, just yeah. creating a deeper experience and connection with their previous customers, acquiring new customers. And one of the really exciting things is each of these resale transactions is two parties. Um, yeah. So we really see it as a as a huge growth engine uh, for our partners. What um, trends in, in the data have you guys seen in secondhand? Do you think it's growing based on what you're seeing with your clients? Ryan, we don't think we know. Uh, we know it's growing. I mean, if, if my shopping habits are any indication, um, we, it's definitely growing at, at an exponential speed. Um, I think there's a few things contributing to it. One is that 
brands, a lot of their customers moved online during the pandemic. So um, a lot of brands are thinking, how do we build out an ecosystem online that kind of mimics what an in-store personal experience would be? And one way you really create community is around resale. We have some great stories of the descriptions. Uh, Wilson was saying you kind of read a description of the item. There's some amazing descriptions of the adventures that people have gone on, the events that they've worn these items to. And so you're building that community and that brand loyalty all around your product. So we see that too and building that community online. So there's a massive movement to also buy online and, and, it, and honestly, it makes it very scalable. I think there's also a big consumer behavior shift um, that brands are trying to kind of, uh, you know, really integrate into what they're doing. And that consumer behavior shift is sustainability. You know, people care about where their items come from, how they were produced, materials used, the workshops that produce them. But they also care, that's one element of sustainability. They also care about buying products that have a second life that they can sell, you know, and retain their value. Or if they buy them secondhand, they'll be able to use them for a while. So I think that's a really interesting aspect that probably doesn't get as much press and talk about in sustainability, that resale, circularity, recycling, this kind of extending the life cycle is a huge way to be more sustainable and really shift that um, mindset from buy more, you know, buy more frequently to like, how do we create quality products that our customers can sell, buy, and then sell, and then buy and create that circularity. So for both of those reasons, amongst many other, and we see resale just growing tremendously year over year. Very reassuring to see, given the fact that how much pollution the fashion industry causes compared to any other industry. Something that shocks people sometimes is that fashion is the second or third largest polluter after big oil, kind of arguable, depending on what you what stats you look at. I mean, a lot of people think like, oh, I just give my items away and they go to charity and they're fine. But a lot of those items end up, you know, essentially in trash and yes. then in landfills. And so we really want people to start thinking differently. And I think consumers already are. How do I look at my closet as an investment closet? You know, how do I buy new with the intentions of selling it secondhand when I no longer need or use that item? So customers really are already doing it. I mean, you see in the explosive growth of Poshmark, ThreadUp, Depop, the Real Real Vestier, like all of these third-party sites. Now it's like, how do you have some like that same customer behavior within the brand ecosystem? And that's really what we're here to help brands do. And Wilson, do you have any comments on the sustainability issue within the fashion industry? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mentioned in my background that, um, you know, I worked in a sustainability role for a big apparel company. So this is certainly a topic that's near and dear to me. And I think Karen covered a lot. Um, But some of the other things that, you know, I get really excited about is there is a ton of good work being done across the apparel industry on manufacturing more efficiently, using less water, sourcing from more efficient factories, using better materials and inputs, uh, recycled polyester, things of that nature. And I could not support, you know, those initiatives anymore. But I will say they are incremental. You know, they are continuing to make new products a little bit more efficiently. And where I get really excited about uh, resale is that unlike being incremental, it is a complete step change. Buying a secondhand product is far and away the most sustainable product you Mm -hmm. can buy. There is no zero incremental manufacturing impact on that item. 
all we're doing is, is shipping it from point A to point B. Um, so it is an incredibly environmentally um, responsible way for customers to shop. And then what that means for brands, now that we've given brands a way to actually monetize these secondhand items, is that you can imagine a future two, three, five years down the line, well, brands aren't solely reliant on selling new items mm-hmm. to grow their business. And if it's a publicly traded company to, to create shareholder value. And I think that's when you start to sort of imagine this world where, hey, maybe we can actually continue to have an exciting uh, customer-focused apparel and fashion industry, but one that is dramatically more environmentally responsible than the current linear economy we have today. So it'll take us a while to get there, but I think alternative business models and resale in particular is going to have a huge, huge part to play uh, in the future of apparel and and e-commerce. Aside from helping the planet, what are some other upsides to resale? Because there's many others. Yeah, great question. Sustainability, is it's a massive play for that. And it's definitely what drives us and our team and our organization. I will say what's really interesting, and you asked a bit about the data as well, yeah. is we look at what is that customer engagement? You know, what happens when a customer engages with your resale, you know, market? And essentially, their, their loyalty dramatically increases. So 50% of our buyers are new to the brand. So they're secondhand buyers. They've never engaged with the brand before. So you have this big customer acquisition funnel. Um, you know, you have them coming in and saying like, oh, maybe it wasn't the right price point. Maybe they're more sustainable and, you know, price being conscious in that in buying. So you've got 50% every other customer new coming in. And then you can start nurturing them. So once you have customers, when you look at it from a selling perspective, when they're selling the items, they're actually 65% either lapsed or new to brand. And then when they sell, with us, um, when we talk to our brand partners, we kind of strategically think about how they want to compensate for the sale. The vast majority do 100% of the list price and site credit. So you get a higher value than the third-party sites, but you also get to keep that value within the brand ecosystem. So what we see is a seller sells an item, let's say they sell it for $100, they come back and spend 2.5x that. So we'd be spending $250. So actually increasing that lifetime value as well. And that's where we get that circularity. And then overall, it just engages the customer and the brand more. So we looked at one of our brands and kind of pulled apart someone who interacted with the marketplace at all, whether that was buying or selling versus someone who didn't. And the lifetime value for those customers that engaged was 54% higher than the customers that didn't. So it kind of didn't matter on the aspect of like, were they buying or selling? It mattered that 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 circularity brought them deeper and engaged more with the brand. So there's a massive ROI here when you start scaling that out to a percentage of your transactions over time. Um, We just see it's really a shift. You have to think of your customers not just as buying new. You have to think of them in engaging in circularity, but it's a huge ROI. And we hear from a lot of our brands how great it is to have a, a program that has such a big sustainability impact, but also can help them drive their customer engagement and drive their sales as well. What you mentioned too about gleaning a new customer is true because then someone who can't afford the luxury item can now then purchase it and then become a lifelong customer in the long run. And that's the Gen Z also who prefers to have secondhand 
Yeah, I think the price access is really, you know, an interesting one to look at, especially as you mentioned, younger consumers, Ryan, and, you know, they're looking for, they're looking for value. They're still looking for variety. You know, these, this generation that has, from a values perspective, sort of moved away from fast fashion, it doesn't mean they don't like variety and still having the chance to, you know, swap out their wardrobe. And I think where resale um, can sort of satisfy multiple of these desires at the same time is you can give a lower price point and you can also give a guilt-free way for someone to only own something for three months, buy it secondhand, wear it a couple times, maybe to an event. When you're when you're mm -hmm. done with it, you can list it for sale and get something else. And that item lives on and, you know, it's going to have its own sort of unique experience and story. And um, and then there's sort of the treasure hunt aspect that, you know, a lot of people really enjoy from, you know, shopping secondhand or vintage and sort of we can create some of that experience. But again, within the, the security and with the confidence of, of having the actual original brand behind it. So I think that there's a lot of interesting benefits to, to both sellers and buyers um, that are related to price access, but more about this, this larger value conversation and how can that person maximize the value of their dollar. And, and you mentioned the treasure hunt process is the treasure hunt process and with authentication, because if it comes from the brand, you know that that is, you know, a Rachel Comey item and not something that you found at a thrift store and think, oh, maybe I think it's Rachel Comey, but you're not certain. Or someone who buys it to you off Poshmark, because I don't know how they do the the authentication there, but that's something that you I would pay more for knowing that's an actual authentic item. Exactly. And and Ryan, you're totally on point that that's our custom our sellers can demand a higher list price because there is the built-in authentication of that they bought it from the brand and the brand approved. Um, so that really adds in this extra value. So not only can they get a hundred percent of the list price, the list price is actually higher than it would be on these third-party market sites. Um, so it really incentivizes sellers who maybe were selling somewhere else to move over and sell with the brand. I do want to go to the core now of the podcast. Is there anything you guys want to rant or rave about? If you're not feeling negative, we don't have to, you know, rant about anything else, anything, but you know, it could be just raving. So I will give a quick rave to these brands that have been at the forefront of this. Um, I think what we've seen that is really interesting is that a lot of brands are like, wait, who even owns resale? Because it's such a new space. So sometimes we're talking to VP of marketing, sometimes it's sustainability, sometimes yeah. it's Tom, all these different brands. And I am so continue impressed by uh, the amount of, of wonderful brands that we talk to that are like, this is the future. We know this is the future and we want to be a part of it. They're like, we know our customers care about it. We, as part of our values, care about it. It gets very exciting to see that. And I think it's, I mean, it's a big change from even two years ago. A lot of brands are understanding that this, this is who their customers are and they want to engage with it. So it's not always easy in the sense that we're kind of, you know, resale is a new base, but we try to make it really as easy as possible. I think Amor Vera, we launched them and their marketplace in six weeks. So we can do it fairly wow. quickly. Yeah. And we try to be really great partners. And so I give like huge kudos to those brands that are at the forefront of this and, and want to work to make, make circularity more normalized. Love that, Karen. I'll give a, uh, a quick rant. And uh, and then a rave because I want to finish on a on a positive. My rant uh, would just be that you know there is 
some amount of greenwashing out there from brands and brands who claim to be sustainable. And yes, you know, certainly maybe they're doing some things around around the edges. Uh, but going back to my comments earlier, I believe that resale is the most sustainable initiative that a brand could launch because it's the most sustainable way to shop. So just a little rant for those brands out there that are touting their sustainability credentials but don't yet have a resale channel. Um, I think it's a it's a both and. I think they should continue to manufacture more efficiently, um, but also offer resale to their customers. And then um, I'll finish with a quick rave, and that's for customers, especially younger customers that are demanding this. And um, just so grateful to them uh, for sort of leading the charge and, and showing brands that they are willing to buy and sell secondhand, that they're prioritizing sustainability and and frankly bringing the brands along with them. Uh, Wilson, I'll say the greenwashing is irritating because sometimes you don't know what's actually sustainable, but everyone says they're sustainable now. So it's not, I thought you have to sift through it. And to the consumer, props to them for actually doing that research because sometimes it's a lot of research to say, okay, what's the factory? What's the product made out of? Are they doing resell? That takes a good amount of effort. But now to move to um, Canada, do you guys have anything to say about Canada? You, I mean, I, I imagine you both have been to Canada, I think. So I hope so. Um, if not, no worries, but go ahead. No, I've been to I've been to Canada. Toronto's an amazing city. Vancouver's an amazing city. Um, I think for us, you know, we have a number of Canadian brands. Uh, we have our app translated into French, and we also have a Canada Post uh, integration to allow for really easy shipping for Canadian buyers and sellers. Uh, we frankly see huge potential uh, for the Canadian market. It is absolutely a priority for us. Uh, and any brands that may be out there listening that uh, had their interest piqued by anything Karen or I said, uh, we would love to talk to you. Um, yeah. Perfect. Thank you. I'm happy you've been to Canada. So that's good. <laughs> Me too. I've been to Canada too. I'm a huge fan. I will say in New York, there's all these uh, great advertisements for going to Canada as well now, um, which is wonderful. And I'll add one thing in there too, that if um, any brands are listening to this that are US-based but have customers in Canada, we can also geofend. So part of our sustainability initiatives is making sure that we kind of are sustainable as sustainable as possible with our shipping. So we can set it up that you'd have a Canadian resale market versus a US resale market as well. Um, so that's something that I think is, is fascinating. A lot of brands go back and forth um, and we can build out both. And what I would like to ask too is um, what are some things about Recurate that some brands should know if it hasn't been mentioned yet? Is, is there anything else you guys would like to add about you know what, what they should know about the platform? Yeah, I, I would say that we aim to be uh, brand focused, number one. We have a lot of folks on our team like myself that come from brand background. So we, we understand how brands operate, what their priorities are. So number one, we're super brand focused. Related to that, number two, we're very flexible. You know, we don't want to come in and say, this is how you should do resale. Brands know their customers better than we do. They know their products better than we do. We have a, a suite of services and we want to have that conversation with the brand, find out what makes the most sense for them, and then provide them the tools um, to launch the solution that they're envisioning. And then the third is just that uh, we strive to keep the barrier to entry incredibly low. Karen mentioned that we can launch a partnership in as little as six weeks. 
Uh, and we also have, um, we try to keep upfront costs to an absolute minimum, in some cases uh, zero, depending on exactly what the, the integration looks like. So we see this as a great way for brands to enter the space. They can do it quickly. They can do it very cost effectively. And then we'll be a flexible partner that can make sure they're getting the exact uh, vision that they have out into their world and in front of their customers. Karen, anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I would just say that we also have a lot of experience in this. We um, about, have about 40 brand partners. We can work across, you know, e-com uh, platforms, Shopify, Salesforce, Magento, BigCommerce, Custom, um, and we integrate directly in for the brand. Um, so it's not, a, you know, marketplace.brand.com. It's directly integrated into your brand uh, website. We can do a separate one if you want, and some of our brands do, but we think we really drive a lot of that traffic, drive that engagement, and create that brand experience by integrating. To close on um, what I always like to ask is like, do you guys have any advice for those in the industry? Um, it could be even to other entrepreneurs, you know, because Wilson, this is, you know, your baby and you created this, you know, from the ground up, but uh, so, or just advice in general. It's become my baby too. I just needed to say that. Uh, <laughs> I was technically employee number two, so I'll claim it's my baby as well. Uh no, like real advice. I think every day is an adventure, um, which is super fun. And I love that. Um, I will say like the way I see it is like, we're also creating for what the consumers are going to be doing in five years, which is really interesting. And like looking forward, um, there's a massive, uh, resale opportunity, but it's not just peer to peer. It's not just take back. There's a whole ecosystem being built and we're really building the technology to be part of that ecosystem. So as you, whether you're a founder or early stage employee, um, think about what you're building. It's like, what are you building for five years from now? What is the massive step? change in consumer behavior. And that's really what we see and what we get, get excited about and what drives us every day. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better. Um, and we're delighted to hear that you think of Recurate as your baby as well. I hope that everyone on our team does. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, advice for anyone out there, um, you know, that has a, a passion. And, and I think you can probably hear the conviction in both Karen and my voice and, you know, just go for it um, and start and then learn from customers, learn from your clients and, and get better every day. And that's what we strive to do. And I hope that we are. And I have for you both today. Merci encore. So thank you again for, for taking the time to chat with me. Um, and I look forward to seeing you guys hopefully in person soon um, as we get out of COVID. Yes, we would love to. Amazing to see you, Ryan. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. Great conversation. Really appreciate it. Merci d'avoir écouté Ryan's Rants and Raves. Suivez-nous sur Instagram at Ryan's Rants and Raves. Thank you for listening to Ryan's Rants and Raves. Follow us on Instagram at Ryan's Rants and Raves. À très bientôt.